0: What do Babylon and Pentecost have to do with one another? Our text this Pentecost morning is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you would lead us and guide us and open your word to us so we might see its riches this Pentecost morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A requiem is an act or token of remembrance for the dead which is typically musical and liturgical in nature. Mozart's Requiem in D minor is my favorite Requiem and is an exceptionally moving musical composition filled with biblical allusions. This Lord's Day morning, we'll see that the events of Pentecost act as a Requiem that marks the death of the long, deep shadow of Babylon. Let's see together in the book of Acts, Babylonian Requiem, Babylonian Requiem. Requiem Go number of your Bibles Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1 Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 And it says there when the day of Pentecost arrived they were all together in one place Now you may notice that the word Pentecost has pente in it And so we've got the idea of 50 50 it's 50 days after the Passover is when Pentecost occurs 50 ties in with the biblical number of 50 and what comes to mind with 50 that stands out in the Bible? Well, the 50th year the year of Jubilee in Israel's history and by command of the law Every seventh year they were to have a Sabbath year. They were to let the land go fallow. They were to trust in the Lord. They were also to set free their indentured servants during that seventh year but after seven sevens after 49 years a full week of sevens of Sabbath years you had the 50th year the year of Jubilee and this was a year when you not only set your slaves free but you also dismissed all of the loans and debts people were completely set free and liberated and so tying in with the day of Pentecost this yearly feast is the idea of Jubilee furthermore it's also the feast of first fruits, the feast of Of first roots. It's the first part of the great harvest being brought in. So you can see the symbolism there when you think about what's going on on the day of Pentecost in the first century here. Before the internet and Rosetta Stone language software, the world was separated by language. There's 120 in the upper room, Galileans. Gathered together the seed the nucleus of the early church let's see what happens verse 2 and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance now notice what happened here We've got a mighty rushing wind. Now, in the Greek, the word here is panoe. It means a mighty breath borne forward. A mighty breath borne forward. The word pinoe can also mean breath, gust, or breeze. Breath, gust, or breeze. So there's a mighty wind, but the mighty wind is the breath of the Spirit of God. God's breath by the Holy Spirit fills the house and fills the saints... And fills the Saints in a way where they're also receiving fire going on to verse 5 now they were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven and at the sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language they've got to remember the history of Israel in the centuries before this Pentecost morning after the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ there had been hundreds of years of various exiles. Remember, after the time of Solomon, Rehoboam's son, through his foolishness, split the Israelite kingdom in two. So you had a northern kingdom that was known as Israel or Samaria. The ten tribes were up there, so you got twelve tribes, right? Ten of them up north. And then the southern two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, is the kingdom of Judah. You've got two kingdoms. Now, the northern kingdom was captured and conquered by the Assyrians, and they took those 12 tribes and they carried them off deep into their empire. Now think about this, what the Assyrians would do is they would take one group of people and they would pick them up and uproot them, and then they would transport them all the way onto the other side of their empire. Then they would take a group of people from there and put them in your land. So now you're completely disoriented and you're not going to rebel. So we've got 10 tribes of Jews, all the way out on the border of Central Asia, somewhere way out there, probably in modern day Iran. And they're learning the language of those people and they're living out there far away from Israel, taking on the characteristics of those people. And then 150 years later, we have Judah being conquered by Babylon and the people of Judah carried off into the Babylonian empire, all the wealthy, all the influential, all the religious leaders, carried off to babylon again learning those languages learning that culture and then the persians come and take over the babylonian empire and then the greeks come and then the romans and so by this time in the first century you've got jews so far separated that their mother tongue has become a second or third language to them they speak the language of the peoples where they live The first Babylonian exile occurred because of the Tower of Babel. Remember back in Genesis, the Tower of Babel? The entire world speaks one language. Imagine if the entire world spoke one language. Imagine if the entire world spoke one language and was concentrated on the things of God. What we could do. And yet what did they do? They spent their time building a tower up to heaven trying to reach up to heaven, trying to capture God, somehow trying to put God at their leave. And so God came down and confused their language, and the peoples spread out to the far reaches of the earth, all speaking different languages. The second Babylonian exile occurred because of sin, and the one language of Israel was confused by their exiles off into the Babylonian empire. But notice here, Pentecost, because of better weather, was a feast most attended by distant pilgrims so most jews would come at passover but you got all these jews and they're living in the empire of rome but there's some that are living outside the roman empire they're at the far-flung reaches of the earth and so the better weather at the season of pentecost they would come down to jerusalem but they're speaking all these other languages and Hebrew is far from their mother tongue and they come to jerusalem for the season and the festival of Pentecost verse 7 and they were amazed and astonished saying are not all these who are speaking Galileans and how is it we hear each of us in his own native language Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Pontus and Asia Phrygia Pamphylia Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors From Rome, both the Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now, who's saying these things? Galileans. Now, a lot of times people have portrayed these Galileans as being ignorant people, as though they were illiterate. They're not. In fact, they were part of the most literate culture in the world at this time. They would have probably had an eighth grade education having gone to the synagogue school. But these Galileans would have spoken Greek, it would have been like English, our trade language for today. They would have spoken Aramaic as their common everyday tongue. And they probably spoke some Hebrew because of what they learned in the synagogue. However, they didn't speak all these languages. The Spirit comes upon them, they're not babbling incoherently. I believe that what happened is, they went out to preach the gospel and as they opened their mouths, suddenly out came the words of other languages. So what they were preaching was coming out by the power of the Spirit in the languages of other people. And they heard them speaking these words. But here they are, preaching in exotic languages because the Spirit has given God's people one language. He's given them one tongue. And that language is the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Going on to verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, they are all filled with new wine. Now let me say something first of all. Actually, they are correct. They are filled with new wine. It's a new wine of the coming of the kingdom. But of course, they mean that in a mocking way. And this is where true faith comes in. Now notice, there's two different types of people in this crowd that are hearing these 120 come down into the streets and opening their mouths and preaching the gospel in all these languages. We see here that these two groups of people fall out this way, the ones who have faith. Faith wonders and seeks an answer, but the others are the faithless, and they mock. The faithless mock. Friends, Satan mocks. Our weakness in Reformed circles is an over-reliance on precise doctrine that causes us to miss the movements of God and its resulting joy. How many conservative Reformed missionaries do you know in the Global South? I know, I know of a few, but I'll tell you what, most of those people out there are Baptists, and there's a ton of Pentecostals out there, and they got really bad theology, but guess what? God's still using them. And so oftentimes, we as reformed people we become the mocker, let that never be. Going on to verse 14. But Peter standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's 12 noon as Peter stands up to address the crowd. In the first century in Israel, the only people had the leisure to drink early By the way, sometimes you see these bars around, they have early happy hour at like 7 a.m., 7 to 10, early happy hour. In fact, for our culture, the only people that have the leisure to drink at that time of the day are people that are retired or on some kind of relief or independently wealthy. Most of us have to work. So, 12 o'clock in the day. Nobody's drinking at 12 in the day. The only people that would have been drinking at this time would have been royalty or the wealthy. That's what Peter's saying. These people aren't drunk. There's something else going on here. Verse 16. Now look at this, friends. But this is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. In the first century, on the day of Pentecost, that followed right after Jesus' ascension to the right hand of the Father, Peter says this, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then he opens up the prophecy of Joel, verse 17. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God, who's opening their mouths to speak the things of God, says this, what you are seeing, right here in Jerusalem in the first century, is what Joel was talking about. These are the last days. These are the last days, says Peter. Guess what, friends? These are the last days in which we live. We're living in the last days. The last days is the age between the first and final coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be a final day, but these are the last days. And notice about the last days. They are days of thunder. They are days of fire. They are days of prophecy and vision. Prophecy means to foretell something that hasn't occurred yet, or to foretell that which has already been said. In some sense, when you open up your mouth and you preach the word of God, you are actually engaging in prophecy. Now what to do? What to do with these things? Ordinarily, these miraculous things, I don't think are occurring. The spirit moves powerfully in this early phase of the church, but now the, the gospel's gone forth, and yet we've got weird things going on sometimes. People are seeing visions and dreaming dreams across the Islamic world. The Southern Baptist Convention did an investigative committee Because they wanted to know what's happening. And in places where people don't have access to the Bible, they're claiming, they're getting visions of Jesus. They're converting to Christ. It seems to be real. We've got the largest underground church in the world today is in Iran, of all places. Can I hear an amen to that? Because God's on the move, as he's been on the move, through the last days. And friends, these are the last days. These 2,000 years up to now, until Christ comes again, are the last days in verse 19. and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor and smoke and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the blood of uh, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes a great and magnificent day. Whatever your view is on these celestial events, they come before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now before you go, hey these things haven't happened yet. We've got to wait until the final day for all these celestial and cataclysmic events to occur. Let's say this, cataclysmic language is common Old Testament prophetic speech. In fact, I want you to turn here. Go ahead and turn to your Bibles. Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Look at verse 6. By the way, when you turn to Psalm 18, look at the top. Who wrote this psalm? Kids, anybody? Who wrote Psalm 18? Anybody see it there it's David right David wrote the song look at verse 6 in Psalm 18 in my distress I called upon the Lord or Yahweh, to my God I cried for help now notice what happens from his temple he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears then the earth reeled and rocked the foundations also the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry Smoke went up from his nostrils and a devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing clo- coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on the cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds dark with water. Sounds like the end of the age, doesn't it? And yet it wasn't. This happened in the days of David. What is this about? You see, in the language of an Old Testament prophet, celestial signs, cataclysmic events are the colorful language of things happening. And friends, I have no doubt that there are cataclysmic events happening in the spiritual realm when God begins to move. Things which we may not see, but in the language of a prophet, we see these words here about the earth being shaken and God coming down riding on the wings of God. Of the cherub did Jesus not say that this age brings in the mountains being brought low the low places being brought high what's that about well there's all kinds of struggle engaged in the spiritual realm but there's also things you might not quite see until after the event empires being brought down Kings being brought low and brought back to life believing in the Lord Jesus Christ nations changing their allegiance So that we have 120 in the upper room until this morning. There are some 2.7 billion of us Christians in the world today. For you see, the heavens are shaking. The heavens are shaking. God's shaking this age. Verse 21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe that, brother? Do you believe that? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Everyone who is saved is united to Christ. The reversal of the Babylonian exile is about unity, reunification, union with Christ. And union with Christ means union in the new human race in Christ. And guess what, friends? We're all now speaking one language. We're speaking the language of the gospel if any of you have been to a foreign country where you met other christians exotic christians who live their lives ordinarily day by day in ways that are very foreign to you and yet you can barely communicate in a language with them maybe they understand some english and yet you still can communicate with them and you understand one another and you have this this connection with them that you don't have with other people why because god's doing a wonderful work in this age He's causing us all to speak one language, and the language is the language of the gospel. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. The human race destroyed to the fall and disunited at Babel is being restored and brought together as one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let's go out and give them a reason to call. Let's go out here. South Austin, Central Texas, and give them a reason to call. Babylon is falling, and fading away, and the new song of the body of Christ is its requiem. If you have friends who self-identify as Assyrian, Chaldean, or Aramean, then you actually know some Babylonians. Former tennis champion and bad boy Andre Agassi is one of them. They're also Christian, because the requiem for Babylon has already occurred. Babylon is dying, fading away, and being transformed through resurrection. The actual physical city that rebelled against God, building a tower to heaven, and the capital city of the great Babylonian empire that conquered the Jews, died and resurrected. Babylon was likely the origin of the wise men who visited and worshipped baby Jesus and the people of the former Babylonia were converted to the Christian faith early in the history of the church. But they and us are an echo of the great reunification of the human race that began at Pentecost and is driving back the confusion of Babylon. All things are becoming new through Pentecost. One people, one tongue, one king, god has done marvelous things can i hear an amen to that. this morning we've seen in acts chapter two that the events of pentecost function as the babylonian reckoning. soli deo gloria to god alone be the glory let's pray heavenly father we thank you for your spirit being poured out on the day of pentecost and for you making a new people across all tribes across all tongues, across all races. Uniting us even now in this age, help us to live our lives in accordance with this, for we will all be one on the last day. We thank you for this, in Jesus' name, amen.